This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash thecitadelcafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 461 for Thursday, March 9th, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we're into. Joining me tonight, one of my favorite geeks, Alistair McFly is back. You can find him at alistairmcfly.com with links to Long Range Sensors, a Star Trek retrospective podcast, sister show, Short Range Sensors, as well as twitch.tv slash McFly and a new blog at medium.com slash at Alistair McFly, because medium likes to be difficult. Welcome, sir. It's been a minute. How are you? <laughs> I am very good. Very tired, uh, but very good. It's that long stride, that that February, March Canadian winter push, <laughs> as yes. I like to say. Yeah. And uh, I know we're not supposed to talk about weather at the top of the show, but it's it's just, <laughs> dude, the weather it's been shit. The weather has been shit, and I just you know yeah. it's that the we the these four walls syndrome has has been creeping in. Thankfully, I do go to the gym, so like I get out of the house on a regular basis. But like my work day day to day, if I have enough food in the fridge, I don't tend to need to leave the house much, and mm. uh. I won't get into the rabbit hole of talking about grocery prices in Canada uh, <laughs> right now. Um, for those that are watching the news, you know what I mean. But uh, I get a couple of meals delivered now with Chef's Plate. Not a sponsor. If you want to be a sponsor, Chef's Plate, I like your stuff. But uh, it means that I have groceries delivered to me a couple, like once a week for like four of my dinners, which cuts down my grocery trips remarkably. Uh, so <laughs> again, less reasons to leave the house. <laughs> Yeah. So, so when you have meals in the fridge for four days uh, and the weather is crappy, you're like, yeah, I'm fine. I don't need outside people. It's fine. Well, sometimes you might need a little human connection now and then just, you know, go mm-hmm. figure who, who knew. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I understand. I understand the feeling of, um, of that long sort of like just waiting for the, I don't want to say schedule to change, but I guess routine. You and I are creatures of yeah. habit, I would say. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have actually started a, a new thing as well. I've been rock climbing. I've been going on a a bit of an indoor rock climbing course. Oh, cool. Lately. And and so I'm also tired from that on top of things. Yeah, too. that'll do it. And That's a hell of a workout. Yeah, yeah. And especially as we were dealing with foot technique, which requires you to be holding on for a lot longer than you normally would. And so my forearms uh, are pretty sore. To the point that I realized today that just trying to pick things up with one hand, actually a lot more painful and difficult <laughs> than it should be. I tried to open up a bottle of milk, like chocolate milk, screw top. I could barely, I always had to get somebody else just to open my bottle for me. <laughs> it was humiliating. I'm so yeah. glad I persevered and I got my milk. Yeah. You have to say, you have to have that. Like I loosened it for you. Like right on the tip of your tongue. Like the moment that they <laughs> hand it back to you opens, like I loosened that for you. That That's what I did there. <laughs> So I, um, my mother does that and she gets angry because my stepdad used to be a carpenter and a chef. So worked with his hands his entire life. And so when he puts the lid back on a jar, 
he doesn't like try to tighten it harder than you know anyone else in the house can open but just naturally he just does that and i'll be down for dinner and mom will be like trying to open up a jar of pickles or something like that and she's just like she'll be struggling with it and she'll just look at me like here and i'm just and i'll just like what do you want me to oh and then, so i just i open it up and give it to her and i don't even think about it because i don't i didn't try like i just opened it and she just looks at me <laughs> she's like fuck off it's like <laughs> okay you're obviously in a mood like what's going on and she just gets frustrated that she can't get it's just not enough twerk plus it's awkward and she's mom's left-handed so like she would be gripping the jar with her left hand and then trying to use her right to open it so everything's working against her basically yeah so it's because she has to go the other way right yeah so um so yeah everything everything's working against her so and i'm the opposite like i'm right-handed but i would grab the jar with my right hand and then twist with my with my left Anyway, yeah. it's, it's, uh, yeah, that, that kind of stuff. When you have different kind of workouts, when you switch it up and then you realize that there are other things that you use like on a regular basis that are really sore. <laughs> um, I did that the yeah. last time I did a leg workout. I, I did something, I switched some things up and I specifically was targeting glutes. And then you just realize around the house when you're putting dishes away and you're like going down to a low cabinet, you're like, oh, wow, this is mostly glute. Who knew? <laughs> Like, I, I didn't realize that I used my butt this much when I had to get something out of the low cupboard. But yeah, turns out that when yep. you train, when you train at the gym heavier than you're used to and you switch up the exercises, your body will let you know. I mean, it's been... That's what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize that you were interested in rock climbing. That's awesome. It, yeah. It was something that I used to do when I was a child. So I say child, like young teenager. Uh, there was a church in Warrington in the north of England that had been converted into a whole climbing center. Oh, cool. And that's what they have here in Halifax. There was a, an old cinema that they've converted on Quinpool Road. And so that's the where Oxford? I've been going. The Oxford. Yeah, that's no now an indoor kidding. climbing. It's an indoor and, climbing gym now. Yes. Wow. And I've been wanting to go there. I was following them on Instagram when they were converting it because they were posting photos showing all the work that they were doing, which was really cool. Yeah. And then I got hit by a car. Ah. So <laughs> that injury meant that I couldn't go climbing. And whilst I was just about getting better, not quite enough to go back to the gym, that's when COVID happened. So, um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's been a long time coming that I've been wanting to get back into climbing. And uh, now that things are starting to settle a little bit more and my injuries are at a point where I don't have to worry about them anymore, hmm. I, I'm able to, to go. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. I can make and jokes it, because you're okay. But <laughs> I just, the cartoonist in me, like the brain just kind of goes to you walking across the street, like in a crosswalk looking at the Oxford deer like, oh, cool, it's being converted into a blam, hit by a car. Like, I just, <laughs> like, I don't know why my brain went there. Well, I but, was crossing the street when that happened. Well, yes. It yeah, just I mean, wasn't I just, for I the, know the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's fine. He's, you know, everything's fine now. And you're climbing. Yeah. So obviously full recuperation. But that's really cool. Yes. I, I tried yeah. some climbing uh, indoors as well. And I found the shoes incredibly uncomfortable. And so I didn't yes. keep it up. That was my that was my problem. Yeah, that was uh, my lesson yesterday. Actually, was all about the type of shoes that you get, and again for the footwork, how basically you should just be using your toes as the, the yeah. sort of it. Yeah, which for me, <laughs> I, foot and it's I keep on thinking like I would be better at this barefoot. Like, just I'm, I have <laughs> large, wide, flat feet. Like, just I'm make let me be beast from X Men. Cause that's what I feel like is going to happen with those shoes when I have them on just like rip. And then just like the toes just kind of come out and just grip things. 
So but anyway, yeah, it's been a long time since I've tried that. I, you know, I would not be any good at it, but that's good. I mean, it's a heck of a workout. It's, um, and something that you can do because oh, yeah. I, I see people post on Instagram all the time. Some of the o- outdoorsy people that I follow, they'll take crash mats down to like different rock faces around the Maritimes and they'll do like bouldering and they're not like going super high. The idea is they're mm. just kind of going along the rock face and practicing technique and stuff and they're, but they're outside. Like, so you don't have to be indoors all the time. Yeah. Well, speaking of being indoors and uh, watching people that are in very good shape, I downloaded a new game via Game Pass <laughs> Ultimate on Xbox. It's called Guilty Gear Strive. I've never heard of it. I don't know why it's called Guilty Gear Strive. I think it's kind of a dumb name. If you know the franchise, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a 2D fighting game a la Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, like that kind of a back and forth. You're just kind of like trying to combo special move with the other player. Uh, it's a new franchise to me, mm. and it is weird. Very pretty, <laughs> so? but weird. And define weird in this context. So, I mean, there's some characters that you think, okay, this is kind of like big anime dude with a sword, cute anime girl with a sword. It's very, I mean, the whole thing is very Japanese anime inspired. Um, and and it's, I shouldn't say inspired, like it is an anime sort of in terms of like what it would identify as an art style. But, mm. but then you've got things like this one guy that doesn't actually fight with his hands and his feet. Like he summons this kind of smoke demon from around him and hits you with it. Uh, there's a <laughs> dude that is a, he's a walking tank. Uh, there's another guy that's, that's swinging. He's swinging a coffin on a chain and it's as big as you are. Like it, there's some really strange stuff. And then there's another guy that apparently is a doctor with a paper bag over his head that has like a syringe. It's like a cross between uh the scarecrow from batman a little bit of the joker and a little bit of like kind of like insert any anime demon that you've ever seen the tall skinny lanky type ones you know mm-hmm. uh and then of course there's a smor- there's a smorgasbord of of scantily clad women <laughs> in the in the game of course um of course but but well, why, why does the doctor have a bag on his head i don't know he has a glowing red eye like the terminator too like, i just I, I i don't know alistair this is the thing i'm, uh, I'm, I'm picturing it like a, a brown paper shopping bag yep yeah yeah yes, pi- yep. Uh, that's lunch it bag. lunch bag oh okay yep lunch bag i All don't right. remember his name but the, the the we'll have a link in the show notes and you can look at the characters you know yourself at home folks but i the thing is like it's the kind of thing that i'm glad i didn't spend any money on but because <laughs> i have access to it via game pass and the trailer looked cool and i looked up a couple of reviews online and people were saying like look it's a really good fighting game like it's it takes a bit of learning to get used to but it's a it's a basic you know like it has it has introductory techniques that you can get into it has a lot to master but you can pick it up pretty quickly and Mm. uh i messed around and picked up a few characters and i uh, i used to play a lot of uh chun li uh when i was um playing street fighter a lot as a kid so I gravitate to those kind of players, uh, characters, because they they tend to be a little bit more straightforward than the really weird ones, right? Yeah. So uh, I can't, I can't remember Giovanna. I think is her name. She's got like a green wolf that kind of wraps around her, and everything in this game has some sort of weird, either technical, sci-fi, fantasy, or like spiritual thing going on. So I don't know how they're all from the same world. Like it just the story is non-existent. I tried playing the story mode, and it does not make sense. And I understand that I'm coming to this as this is a sequel. I have not seen the other one. So I knew I was going to be lost, 
but I did not expect to be lost in the level of like, they're speaking English, but like the call and response from two characters doesn't make any sense. You know, it's like someone say, oh, I see that you have found me in my prison. And the next person says like, yes, my uncle was once the captain of a ship. And you're like, well, what? <laughs> and I don't know whether it's losing something in translation, but anyway, it I, it's, it is weird. Like I said, I'm, I, I'm lost, I, yeah. but I don't play these games for the story. They're not meant to be fantastic. I was going to say, like, I find it weird in itself that a fighting game would have a story mode. I mean, you, they... When you have Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, they've obviously got background story to the characters that you would normally get from flicking through a manual, really. But it's basically just you're just pairing off fighters, really. That's it. And so just yeah, the idea of a story mode in a 2D fighter, I'm I'm trying to get my head around that one. So one of the things that that I will draw a comparison to would be something like Mortal Kombat did have a little bit of a story as it got going on. And yes, the yeah. other one is the, it's built on the Mortal Kombat engine, but the DC fighting one, the Justice or Injustice, that had cutscenes and reasons for pitting superhero against superhero. And you, you crossed into a different dimension. And so there was like, you know, world one Batman and world two Batman or world two Superman, et cetera. And, and in their world, Superman was evil and running like a fascist regime and all this kind of stuff. Right, so, yeah. so it gave you a reason why Batman was facing off of what looked like Superman, but it's not your Superman. It's something else. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't really played any of the newer style. Like for hmm. me, it's old 90s. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Fighters yeah, yeah. That, I've, that I've played. So I'm not as familiar with the more recent Mortal Kombats and especially when they're bringing in things like the the DC ones and stuff as well. Well, that's, I mean, the DC one is worth watching if you can find like a cutscene, um, I guess, compilation on YouTube where people don't record the entire fight, but they, they, they've captured the story bits, the cutscenes, you know, where Batman and Robin are arguing about something and then he has to fight Wonder Woman. They don't, they don't show the whole Wonder Woman fight. They show the beginning and they show the middle and they show the end real quick. And then they do go to the yeah. next cutscene. So it's worth doing that just to kind of see the kind of cool stories. And, and it's, I mean, like it's got, um, all the right voices and some great, you know, animation and stuff like that. Although to bring it back to Guilty Gear, the reason why I picked it up is because despite the animation and story in the story mode being weird and and awful on both fronts <laughs> the animation in the game like the actual gameplay is fantastic like it almost looks like stop motion in some instances i would say the closest thing i've seen recently in years would be into the spider-verse in terms of how dynamic and fluid and well thought out all of these characters are and they have to move in response to what you're doing as the player right and everything mm. is is pretty seamless and i i really really like it they're cg models but it's meant to be cell shaded it's meant to look flat like uh, a manga or a, an anime and and the character designs are like i said some of them are weird but by and large they're very cool looking you can change the colors you know how you see fit and and as you learn some of the moves the special effects and the stuff that you can pull off, like you feel badass, even when you're just doing like a simple roundhouse kick with a flare and then your spirit dog kind of like whips around and, you know, smashes the other person in the face. Or if you get a combo or once you start to learn these different things, it has enough of that like visual explosion kind of eye candy going on 
that really, really kind of makes it feel cool. Uh, and it gets some points for me for managing characters that end up being like the size of the screen. Like if you were this little girl, Giovanna, and you're going up against this Hulk iron, you know, character, I don't remember their names, but the, he literally is the half the size of my TV. And when you use that character, yes, you feel slow, but he still has to respond and have all the same kind of moves that every other fighter in the, in the game has. And he does. And it feels good to play him, you know? And so I have to tip my hat to, to the designers in that way. I mean, it's not meant to be, you know, a story. It's, it's meant to be eye candy. It's, it's got a huge competitive component. I am not playing online with other people. I am just fighting the computer <laughs> for fun for a half an hour to kind of like, I needed something I, I could pick up and put down at any point. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I was tired of Forza driving around, which I like, but it just, it does get boring after a while. And so this is kind of a nice kind of pick it up, put, put it down, whatever. Uh, arcade mode is the one that I play where that just kind of like takes you through and you fight until you lose like three in a row or something like that. And then you're over and I get to stage eight so far on normal, which is not bad, you know, for a beginner. So mm. I'm, I'm learning. Um, but I would, I, and you know, I would encourage people to check it out. If you do have game pass, it's worth picking up purely because like you don't, you're not paying for it. You're already paying for the subscription. And so um, I, I would check it out if uh, I know that you like, some fighting games because you've got a street fighter table right like that's one of yes a couple that yeah. you have in an arcade at home that's right yeah it's a head-to-head table with the original street fighter and then five additional variations on street fighter 2 right uh, and then six other games built into that one uh, i've also got x-men versus street fighter as a separate cabinet with a couple of other games on that too right and then mortal kombat which has all three mortal kombats and it's the midway legacy so there's a whole bunch of other midway games as well um but yeah so a good variety i've got i've got enough fighting games basically yes yeah to, to keep me kind of covered for, for things and yeah same thing like I I struggle to have the time these days to really sit down and spend and devote a lot of time to a game. So having the arcades, it's nice just to be able to go play for 10 minutes and that can be enough. And I mean, fine. And it also means that I'm not getting to a point where I'm getting bored of them either, which, you know, kind of helps when they take up so much room. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I would say because I haven't played all of the street fighters, but I know I've played one that you own, which is the street fighter X-Men one. Yes. I would say this compares closest to that out of the rosters. It's not like mortal Kombat; It's a lot more like street fighter, but certainly more like street fighter X-Men because of how diverse that roster is. You know, it's it's like Chun-Li versus juggernaut, right? Like that (laughs) kind of a matchup. And that's what this game kind of offers in terms of the variety um, but there's, there's some really, really interesting, interesting things. In it. And like I said, the animation is beautiful. If you like fighting games and you are a fan of, of animation, specifically anime, um, it's worth taking a look, uh, and certainly even just watching some videos online, maybe, uh, cause some of the, some of the moves, of course, like any kind of special finishing move is like really over the top. <laughs> it goes like dragon ball, you know, when they finish do the, the, the final moves, it's, uh, it can be a lot of fun in, in that way. We have a listener email this week, so I'd like to move on to that. That comes in from Jordan P., a cafe community member of the Patreon page. You can visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe if you'd like to support the show. The subject is TV shows of the last year. Hello there, Joel and Alistair. As I was looking back on the shows I watched last year, I realized that I only really watched four new shows. House of the Dragon, The Peripheral, Reacher, and The Rings of Power. I finished two of these series and I'm currently watching The Peripheral. 
I was wondering, how would you rate these four shows or any other shows from 2022? Mine are as follows. Reacher, it was nearly perfect and didn't overdo it. The Peripheral, I'm on episode four, has quite a bit of good, but I do not feel like it has a good enough backstory. The Rings of Power, I wish it was closer to the Silmarillion, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. And House of the Dragon, I did not finish this. I dislike almost all of the characters and did not want to watch the story because of how much I hated some of them. Rant over. Thanks for the awesome podcast, Jordan. Jordan, thanks very much for the email. Very much appreciated. Uh, I do have a rating for the ones that you've listed, and I have a few that I can add. I will let you know that I did not watch any of the House of Dragon, so that's at the bottom of my list, but purely because I haven't seen it. Um, but I would flip this around. I would actually have Rings of Power as my number one in your list, The Peripheral as number two, and then Reacher as number three. However, Peripheral and Reacher were really close. Uh, they both have good production. They both kind of did what they said they were going to do. I had a hard time getting into the peripheral because I think it was harder on the head in some ways. But ultimately, I think the production value and the concept of the peripheral is what won out over Reacher. Uh, I still like Reacher, but these these were really close as my mine two and three. Out of these four, Alistair, have you seen all four? Not all four, no. I've seen Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. Uh, so I've seen those two. Peripheral and Reacher have kind of been on my to-watch list, but I've been so uh, preoccupied with a few other shows. I just haven't quite got around to them yet. But uh, but Rings of Power, I would say, of, of the two that I have seen, uh, was definitely the, the better of the two. House of the Dragon, I, I liked it. It's... Um, it's it's one of those odd things that with it being, uh, you know, kind of Game of Thrones type thing. It's but it's not. It's more of a prequel thing. Um, it's interesting. I I really like Matt Smith, and so I thought he was uh, he was quite good in that. But it was one of those. I'm watching it because it was on, and at the time there wasn't really much else on either. Right. So it wasn't one that I was kind of jumping to like, oh my God, I can't wait to see this. It was one of those, oh good, there's something to watch today. <laughs> More than anything. Right. Um, and, and visually, it's great. Like it, it's real, like the set design, just the, just the quality is, is what you would come to expect from that kind of series. Rings of Power threw me off guard because I thought it was a miniseries. I thought it was just one season and then it was done. So oh. it's kind of getting towards the end. I'm like, I thought this was supposed to be this whole prequel thing. And it feels like there's not much time to get to where they need to. And then I realized that, oh, this is an ongoing series. And that made me very happy. But uh, for the longest time, I just thought it was just going to be those. It was like six or eight episodes. I can't remember how many. Mm, I want to say it was six. Yeah, I think it was no. six, but... No, because six, I think, is when the big climax happened, and we thought that it was a season ender, and it was not. So you're right; it might be eight. It's not ten. Yeah, I can tell you that. I don't think it. Yeah. I don't think it was ten. Yeah, uh, it didn't reach that much. But I, I, so I thought that that's all we were getting, and then finding out that it continues that makes me feel a lot better. Because one, loved it. <laughs> I thought it was really good, and and two, it's just nice that we'll get more time to to follow on some of the other stuff. Because there's a lot that they've set up, but just has not been um, like wrapped up yet at all we had a good conversation here on the Citadel cafe about rings of power with my co-host on the spawn chunks the uh, pixel riffs johnny and mm. he brought a lot of really 
great external knowledge that I don't have from the Tolkien universe. And I'm pretty sure just to kind of be clear here that the Silmarillion is not part of the Rings of Power. I'm pretty sure that it's only the appendices of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit or yeah. something that they have uh, access to in terms of the rights. I'm pretty sure the Silmarillion was was not. But I could be wrong. It could be that they only have Ooh, access to the okay. Silmarillion, Silmarillion appendices, but not the actual book. I, I don't know. I had not... Yeah. yeah. I hadn't even thought about the, the rights beyond just Lord of the Rings. Uh, well, they're making the new ones yeah. now. Like, there's yeah. new films in production, and... It's different yeah, that's, that's... than the rights that Amazon has because Amazon <laughs> is doing one thing and there's films. I think New Line is looking to do more films. Like they were talking to Peter Jackson about it, I think. I, I don't, I, sorry folks, I don't remember where I saw this online. Probably social media, so take it with a grain of salt. But but I I, I know that there's talks. I don't know who's involved and, and what like whatnot. But I mean, yeah, I'm down for it. I haven't even thought about the licensing, yeah. Yeah, I'm down for it if they, if they do bring it in. Uh, I would say actually, um, if I was to look at my top shows of 2022 uh and i cheated and i went to rotten tomatoes just just to get a list of like the top 150 shows which i was surprised there was that many um just to kind of refresh my brain of like what was released in 2022 like i kind of had to get yeah. my brain around it um and because i was like was that the fall of 2021 or was it 2022 or did it start there and end in 22 anyway my top five are in this order obi-wan kenobi Rings of Power, Andor, Miss Marvel, and Stranger Things Season 4. And mm. I didn't love Stranger Things Season 4, but I was still on the edge of my chair for most of it. So uh, I it, it made the ranking out of everything else that I was looking at. Because there's a bunch of other things like The Peripheral, like Reacher, that were good, but they just they didn't make the top five. But they would certainly be in the top ten in terms of, you know, probably right after Stranger Things, to be honest. Probably Peripheral and Reacher 6 and 7. Um, yeah, I really li liked Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think that there's an advantage to doing limited series, uh, as you were expecting with Lord of the Rings, with Rings of Power. Uh, I think that yeah. knowing you've got six episodes, keeping it concise, letting those episodes be as long as you need them to be, uh, it wasn't perfect, but it was still a really, really good good show. Same thing with Rings of Power. I still had problems with it, but overall, they weren't anything that broke the experience for me. Uh, and or I really liked. And I think... Andor had a lot of flexibility because it was a kind of Star Wars story that we've not really seen much of before. Uh, the closest mm. we would have had would be Rogue One. But this took like spy Star Wars to a new level. And because they were operating like in the shadows, there was all kinds of stuff that they could get into that we'd never seen before, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, Miss Marvel yeah. was just a lot of fun. I just, that was a just well done, well received, positive show, you know, um, all, all around. I think that's why I didn't get into House of Dragons. I, I heard that it was good, but I heard that it was more of the same. Uh, yeah. A lot of violence, that kind of stuff. And I find these days, I really don't have much patience for a bunch of people on screen behaving badly and getting away with it. I, I, <laughs> I need to have at least someone that's trying to be good and trying to do yeah. the right thing. I need someone to identify with because I don't identify with those kind of characters. This, the ruthless cutthroat. That's why I don't watch Empire or Billions or any of these dramas that are just a bunch of rich people behaving badly, which Game of Thrones is no different. Um, mm. not, not my cup of tea. I, I don't need it to be squeaky clean, 
but to draw a comparison like i think that's why i'm drawn to characters like captain america right yeah he has to make some great decisions captain america shoots people like he's not a superman he doesn't he's not above killing nazis right he just but there's just that even when he makes mistakes he's trying to do the right thing for the right reasons and i need a character like that you know and i and i think that even if even if it's not one character because i feel like in the peripheral I can't remember character names right now, but the brother sister main characters, they're both flawed and they both have different reasons for what they're doing, but they're both getting about halfway there to doing the right thing. But together as a team, they're kind of doing it. And I, and I think Mm -hmm. that's why I like that show above some of the other darker apocalyptic stuff that's come out in the last little while is because they are trying to do, you know, good by their mother and they're trying not to be evil people there are evil people in the show and they're trying not to stoop to that level whereas i feel like game of thrones and again i haven't seen house of dragon but what i've heard is like everybody is just trying to be an evil son of a bitch and it's just you know that's just the par for the course that's that's the that's the baseline you know yeah and how evil is just how how much you know not not how much good you can do it's how much evil you can do and that that's a show i just tend to not get involved with right this two new shows that that jump out to mind from that year uh on on top of the the ones that have already been mentioned and the first one is peacemaker which i know you're not too much of a fan of of james but that was a show that caught me by surprise i didn't realize it was the show that i needed especially at the time it was a lot funnier than i was expecting to be i i wasn't expecting it to be much because it's a, a spin-off from the suicide squad film mm-hmm. um but it was just incredibly funny um the the characters it was i'm trying to think what to kind of compare it to um but i i, I just thought it was just wacky just fun and just basically just went all out in the right way and it was very entertaining. And then the other one is probably no surprise to anybody, uh, especially yourself, but that would be Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Right, yes. Which, again, fantastic new show to to come in in 2022. And even for people who haven't been a fan of all of the new Star Trek shows coming out, this is the one that seems to really be uniting a lot of fans, both new and old just because of, of how well and how faithful and uh, and true to the whole franchise this new show has been. So I was just quickly Googling uh, the book of Boba Fett and technically it premiered on December 29th, 2021, which I guess is why it wasn't on this Rotten Tomatoes list that I was looking right, at quickly. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would put that as high up. Um, I would put episodes of it. <laughs> high up in my best episodes that i've seen but the, overall the mandalorian episodes yeah specifically <laughs> mandalorian season 2.5 that happened in the middle of yeah. of book of boba fett yeah um <laughs> yeah so that's that's why that didn't make my list because i mean yeah. it's no accident that there's a lot of star wars and lord of the rings in my list because like that's just it speaks to my my fandom but also they're doing good stuff you know like there's lots of other fan shows out there and they're just they don't often um, land quite as strong with the exception of Star Trek, of course, but I, I don't often have access to that. I'm not watching as many series as you are in Star Trek. So mm. I only tune in when there's something to watch. Uh, speaking of that, 
that's going to be the main discussion this week. Uh, Alistair and I are going to be talking about Star Trek Picard season three episodes one, two, three, and four. So if you've not gotten to today's episode released today, uh, then you should uh, maybe go watch those and come back and join us because we will not be able to talk about this without spoilers because there's spoilers <laughs> in the first episode even, I think. Um, yes. A lot happens. They they jam a lot in here. Uh, so, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I will say that I have watched The Mandalorian season three premiere. I enjoyed it, but uh, it's not, there's not a lot going on yet. Uh, it's a fun mm. return to that show. Uh, it looks beautiful. I'm happy about it. I liked where things are headed, I think, but we really don't have enough information to have much of a conversation about it. Um, other than yeah. like some very deep Star Wars-y nerd stuff. And that requires having seen like a lot of other Star Wars content. So um, I will be talking about The Mandalorian, but I'm probably going to wait for another week or two to get about halfway through the season and then talk about like what's going on and, and what we're seeing. So hopefully mm. um, that will come later on, but uh, I am enjoying it and I am going to continue to watch. I did not get a chance to watch it today. Uh, because I was catching up on on Picard, um, so I I mean obviously you have a much deeper relationship with Star Trek than than I do, um, but I will say just kind of like generally, I'm really enjoying season three. They are yeah. doing things I didn't think they were going to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I knew from the trailers and from the news and from you that they were bringing back you know a certain you know amount of the original cast members reprising like in most cases their roles uh on the show yeah. uh and in some ways they did that like i mean Riker was in season 1 of Picard as well uh which mm. i really like and and so i'm really enjoying that dynamic i'm really enjoying what they're doing i w- i will say and i don't want to dwell on this cuz it's not a happy thought but in this season in particular whether or not it's acting if it is then good on him but but patrick stewart is looking old and he like it look he looks tired <laughs> and i'm sure a good portion of this is as acting because they're going through a lot like they are putting the characters through the ringer in this show uh yeah. but it just it just it's reminding me of how old he actually is and and i've seen him in some interviews i saw him on late night with um not with conan with uh colbert uh, yeah. and, and he seemed in good spirits, you know, like he did, but he still seemed small and, and elderly, you know, like, and I don't mean, I mean it with as much respect as I can muster, but it's just, it's, yeah, mm. he's, he's getting up there. Um, but, and that, that to me kind of jumped out a couple times in the show, but again, like Picard's character is much older than Stuart, right? Picard in the show is like a hundred yeah. and something, right? That's how old he's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and of course now he's got this kind of robot body as well from season yes. one. Yeah, there's all um, this kind of stuff that's going on. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he, he's supposed to be a lot older. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that overall, uh, very much enjoying it. Uh, enjoying the crew getting back together. There's some things mm-hmm. that are are kind of lost on me, but I'm sure that you could kind of clear that up. But but I feel like I've been talking a lot. So like so for you, I mean like coming into season three with as much star Trek knowledge as you have specifically with the next generation. Um, how are you finding it so far? Well, I'm thrilled to bits. <laughs> you know, I'm absolutely chuffed with this whole whole season. It's, I would also say, and I'm not going to jump too far ahead, but the latest episode that came out was a hell of a ride. 
and just kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time. But most of all, I really appreciate the way they've gone about this. It doesn't feel like, oh, let's just have a reunion. Let's just do a Next Generation episode. And I know that that's something that Patrick Stewart has made a big deal of, that he didn't want to just do the same thing. This feels like these characters are coming in for the right reasons. And it also feels like where Picard is now makes a lot of sense. Like he's doing things, he's making mistakes, he's putting the ship in jeopardy. But when you look back at everything that he's been through, it makes sense that he would get to that point. And as an example for this, it's kind of like how he's he's putting his own desires ahead of the crew and the sort of the risk there. But we have seen how he gets when vengeance is involved. We saw what it was like after he was assimilated by the Borg, when he's suddenly faced with a Borg drone, when he first meets Hugh in The Next Generation, that he just hates the Borg and wants to get revenge and and send a virus out to them. And then later in Star Trek First Contact, the movie, the whole thing is him trying to get vengeance on the Borg. And so it kind of makes sense that now that we find out, you know, one of the big spoilers that he has a son now that he wasn't even aware of, that when we have somebody who is trying to take his son, he wants to make sure that he can put a stop to that so that he's not in a, in a position kind of like he was with the Borg and where he would have that kind of vengeance. And it's a little bit of that is kind of creeping out. And so it doesn't feel out of place at all. It certainly feels like he has changed over time as a result of all of these things that we've seen over all these decades. Yeah, I can feel the, I don't want to say recklessness, but the mm. quick decision-making, we'll say. Yeah, It's not reckless in that he doesn't have any reasons or he's off the cuff, but I feel like rather than pontificating about something for as long as a Star Trek episode usually would take before they make it a decision in the next generation, here, there's just the decisions are just made quickly. You know, yeah, and a little bit more some, emotionally impulsive. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say like the things, the themes that I'm picking up, especially with the reveal that uh, he had a son with Crusher, by the yep. way, who I always thought they were a good match. You know what I mean? Like that's that's yes. kind of who I, you know, would think if you were to say write what happens to the crew after the final episode of TNG, that this would have been mm. one of the things they would have certainly speculated on. Um, but, but with that, like with the fact that there was, uh, some shore leave, they were trying for like the fourth or fifth time to have a relationship and it wasn't working out. He kept on getting called away and yep. she ended up getting pregnant. And then one thing led to another. He was in dire situations here, there and everywhere. And she just never told him. And then she told her son when he was old enough to know who his father was and he decided that he didn't want to meet him. And so it's been 23, 24 years or something like that. They, in this latest episode, uh, Jack Crusher is the character's name, uh, Picard's son, yeah. uh, revealed his age to be 23 or 24, which is, I find kind of hard because I think the actor that plays him is a lot older than that. <laughs> um, yeah, he's only, yeah, he's 34. <laughs> he's only 10 years younger than me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit, he doesn't feel quite as naive as it, you know, I consider, you know, I shouldn't say that, but like, you, like 
22 year olds in in star trek you tend to think of like crusher like wesley crusher not yeah not jack crusher jack crusher seems a lot more worldly than i was expecting a, a young mm-hmm. man to be um either way uh i like him uh ed's uh, Spielers, who plays him, does very, very well. Uh, and but that that reveal and that kind of like position where it's been the the line that Picard says to Crusher, uh, Beverly Crusher, is like, "You made the decision for me, rather yeah. than seeing whether I would be a good father, a present father. Like you just you removed me from that equation, and so there is loss. There is regret there is the would have could have should have done it differently thing and that i feel has been a theme over the whole season not just picard and his son and that relationship or crusher wesley uh, beverly crusher but with like uh riker and yeah his son that died thaddeus i think was his name yeah thad anyway yes. thad for sure yeah because they called him thad in season one we never yeah. met him. They just they just kind of said, you know, Troy. And... Yeah, because he, he'd already passed away at that point. Yeah, he'd already yeah. passed away. And they have a daughter. Like, they had two kids, and their elder son passed away. Uh, some strange disease. I don't remember what it was called. but um, And then, so there's you're dealing with, like, Riker's loss and Riker's regrets and how time has passed and how he's got regrets about how he and Deanna Troy have had some difficulties because he's now out in space doing the 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 Federation captain thing because he, he just, he needs to get away, you, you know, and he was kind of partially retired or something at some point. Um, but they're kind of bringing it all through. And that idea of regret, time passing, and wishing you had a chance to do it over again is really interesting because these are all characters that are now in their seventies, you know? And so there's this juxtaposition of like, I don't think I'm not, I'm not suggesting that any of the actors have anything that they regret not doing in their, you know, career sort of idea, but there is something to do. Like it does bring in some of the questions of old age, what people think about when they're 70, did they do enough? Did they raise their kids? Right. Like all that kind of stuff. And they're doing it very, very well very very yeah. well and 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 of course they're kind of at the position of when i was a kid watching them in next generation this is kind of where the original series cast was getting to where we had kirk you know pondering about the fact that he was getting old you know right. and you know and w- would he be alone and, and things and and this is why when it culminates in star trek generations when the nexus kind of lures him with this love for a woman called Antonia that he never really got to have because of his career. He's like, now I get a second chance and things. And so it all kind of follows on like that in a way. And so it's interesting seeing this now happening to the next generation crew as they're kind of reaching that age as well. And I'm glad that they didn't do anything so far with a time loop because those were always my least favorite episodes of mm. tng whenever you get into a, something with q or something with a time loop and that to me was just mm. like infuriating because um, <laughs> it was the same 15 minutes of tv over and over again until they finished figure out how to break the time loop <laughs> um, yeah they got close because the the shrike which is a, a a warship that they've run into deep in space uh has some sort of portal ability and i i mean that literally if you've played the game portal this is the weapon that it has on the front of it and yeah. and the the ship 
the Titan is the name of the ship that they're on, I think. Yes. Yeah. And the Titan tries to get away from the ship and it goes through the portal and then they, they kind of like portal it back and they bring it back around. And there's the tactics that they're using for that is fantastic. Oh, it's very cool. It's, it's, it works. Yeah. And I only caught on, I want to say midway through episode three, just, just before they kind of explain to you, the viewer, what, what they're going to do and what's going on. Mm. I, Riker said something about along the lines of like, if she wanted us dead, we would have been dead already. And so you realize that you, she wants Jack. Uh, This is the character of um, Vatic is, is who Mm. she introduces herself as interesting played by Amanda Plummer, uh, daughter of Christopher Plummer, I believe. Indeed. Who played Khan, right? No, not Khan. Um, What's his name? Uh, Chancellor Gorkon. Gorkon. Yeah, Klingon, right? You played a Klingon? Yes, yeah, in Star Trek 6. 6. Uh, yeah. So, like, another avatar, adversary, you know, generational thing, but in the actors, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, I knew I was going to get some of these names wrong, so forgive me. <laughs> 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 Even with IMDb in front of me, it's like, I know who the actor is. Who's the character he played? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, they're doing oh, some cool I, stuff I, like oh, that. I've just, I've just made a fluff as well. Sorry, not uh, Gorkon. It was um, General Chang. Sorry. <laughs> Sure. See, I just, I, I so, figured you'd get it right. So I just oh, said, yeah, how, how I, I'll agree. Yeah, how have I thrown? Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he played General Chang, the, the guy with the eye patch, basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I could picture yeah. him. Like I, I could see him because uh, I, yeah. I knew I knew who he played because I've seen those movies quite a, quite a few times. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So the, there you go. If I've made a mistake, you can get away with making a mistake. There, there we go. go. There we go. I've, I've, I've set the bar. We're, we're fine. Yeah. Um, but the 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 fact that they're trying to get jack crusher off the ship there's some greater plot happening with jack crusher and he's got visions like he's seeing things inside of his head like there's all he's got there's more going on with him than we know right now so at the Mm. end of episode four the first four episode arc is complete in terms of the crew uh well um Picard got a mystery message from Beverly Crusher. Basically, I'm in trouble. Please help. Um, yep. He and Riker go out to save her. They commandeer against rules, uh, a Federation ship. They go do that with the help of Seven. Uh, and then they end up in an anomaly and a dogfight cat and mouse chase through this anomaly with the Shrike. And then they they have to escape. But that's the first four episodes. But there's still more coming and there's still more to happen with jack crusher and his importance and all this kind of stuff um yeah but they did a really good job of balancing i think the dire nature of the crew of the titan a you said it was called Uh, yes and like the the seriousness of that situation with some fan service some great lines i i can watch Riker and picard talk about I don't know, pudding and I'd be happy. Like I just, there's something about their candor on yeah. screen and the, the amount of fun that they have with what they're doing. And I, I like how you mentioned it. Like they're, you're talking about how um, the original cast was at that kind of like later stage of questioning kind of like where they were in terms of the characters in when they were mm. crossing over with, with the next generation. But I find that with this, I'm seeing more cowboy Kirk, and and fly by the seat of your pants and it's not all about 
the prime directive and the rules and Starfleet regulation because all the regulation doesn't seem to be working for the Titan A until Riker gets command and starts cowboying the hell out of everything (laughs) (laughs) and starts really like just making judgment calls, doing things outside of the book, using his experience to just make judgment calls quickly and not just constantly cite, you know, Starfleet regulation. And that's when they start to make progress. They start to survive the encounters uh, better. They, they start to have a plan. Um, He does get kind of, I want to say not strung out, but he feels uh, stubborn, I guess, in episode three. And there's a Mm. couple of really odd wooden exchanges between uh, Riker and Picard on the bridge that I I didn't feel landed very well. It felt almost out of character. Now, I don't know whether that's me picking up on just some lines that didn't land very well or whether I'm just... I'm so used to seeing Picard in this series. I've kind of gotten to know where he is as a character 20 years later, but I've not seen enough of Riker, Crusher, Troy, you know, Worf to know where they are. All I have is just their dialogue in this season, right? Whereas Picard, I've got two seasons of episodes of story and, and situations to kind of understand a little bit more. I also get that Riker is dealing with some stuff too. Like he's dealing with yeah. some, some pent up emotion personally. Yeah. And and I think as well, a, a lot of it is he's been a first officer for so long, a lot longer than he was supposed to. Mm-hmm. People kept offering him commands of different starships and he kept saying no because <laughs> he wanted to remain on the Enterprise. And then he has been a captain of the Titan, uh, the original one. This is the second ship to bear the name. And he's gotten that experience as a captain himself so there's a little bit of that there's also the way that he's uh, challenging Picard and the arguments that they're having is part of the reason why Picard wanted him to be first officer right we find out in an episode called the Pegasus when Admiral Pressman comes aboard he was a a captain on, on on board the the titular Pegasus and he had um, sat down with Picard and there was this whole conversation about how at one point uh, Will had stood up to uh, a previous captain and he's just kind of like, that's that's what I want. I want somebody who will who will stand up to me and, and tell me when I'm being wrong, basically. So that's uh, that, that's kind of still gels and fills in with this. That there is going to be a little bit more clashing, but now that he's more of an equal because he's been a captain, I feel like he's a little bit more uh, into doing so, especially as he's got more responsibility to some degree. Yeah, yeah. I think so, for me, it was the dismissal of Picard off the bridge after the basically they run out of options, and mm. Riker gives the command to attack after Picard reiterates, "You're out of options. You should attack and go on the offensive." And he does that and it backfires and they use the portal to redirect I, the, the p- torpedoes. I'm just like, but you know, it was your call. Well, like you were the I, captain. Yeah. You Like, yes, you listened to the advice from the Admiral, but you still made the call. So I didn't feel like him 
tossing the admiral off the bridge. Well, one, it also had that weak moment of like, well, you just sentenced us all to die. And I was like, not on episode four, you haven't. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I know you're yeah. not dying now. So <laughs> so there was that, which was, I think, a bit of a problem for me. But that that wasn't, you know, that wasn't a problem was... with the delivery. That was just a bad line yeah. in the, well, at the time. The, there's a bit of pleading from Picard. And I, I think that he's basically like, look, I know I'm making the right call here. And then he buckles to the pleading, I think just out of respect for the man who was his captain. Mm. And then it kind of reiterates the fact that he he was right in the first place. And and I think he's partly angry at himself. And we saw oh, a bit of that dynamic in the Next Generation finale where Picard is pleading for Will to go back to the anomaly. And this is all set in the future. So it's set around this time, really. Right. And and Riker is just kind of like, no, that's that's not what we're doing. I'm I'm the captain of this ship now, kind of thing. And so it feels again a little bit like that, but I just think that because of his respect and you know, and kind of like, okay, I'll I'll listen to you. I'll I'll let you make that call. And then it turns out to be the wrong one. He's just kind of like, well, now now we really are screwed. And so I think there's just a little bit of him being angry at himself. And as you said, he's going through a lot himself too. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's making him a little bit more emotionally volatile. Yeah, no, I can see that. To some degree. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And there's an exchange just shortly after that in, I guess what would be not the ready room what's the room that's not the captain's ready room but it's the one with the big table in it what's that called oh the observation lounge observation lounge so that there like they have an exchange after afterwards where they like Riker has a lot to say Picard tries to apologize Mm. but then he stops him and like so there's they're not on on bad terms at all but they're still kind of like trying to figure them their way out of this shit situation that they're in right and yeah. uh, I really like the res- the resolution. Like, I mean, you were talking about. I think you said something earlier in this in this sh- podcast that it was it was a pun that you didn't realize you made. I don't think. Um, but they literally have to ride the wave out of this anomaly to escape. Like they surf. Mm. <laughs> they have to surf. I'm. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to make a reference to like you want us to surf out of here in a starship. Like I was waiting for that reference to be made. Um, <laughs> but it was very cool. Uh, I yeah. I really enjoyed the way that they did it. And and. A really interesting kind of like the anomaly was giving out these these energy bursts and uh beverly crusher made the analogy of the fact that it was actually contractions like this anomaly was had some living thing going on and it was giving birth and so they rode the birth of its offspring whatever they happened to be they they looked like um space pokemon um but they were yeah, the- little squid like things that that ended up yeah. being made and i mean who knows like they were as big as starships as for all i can tell like i, I don't really understand the scale well, of them they, with the way that they did the effects yeah they, they kind of hark back to uh the pilot episode encounter at far point and they actually mentioned would they reference that yeah aliens. i caught that yeah i was like i was yeah. that guy pointing and whistling going like i know that reference i got that yeah i got that one <laughs> <laughs> so I really like that. Uh, the other thing that I, I want to mention as well is I am so glad, so glad that that Gates McFadden is actually getting a decent role for Crusher after so long because she was really good in the show. And then by the time the movies came out, it was like she was forgotten about. Like she was there. They included her, but she didn't get to do much at all. And now here we have her being 
really assertive. Like she's she's picking up a weapon and just shooting people point blank. And even when uh, Picard and Riker see the remains, they're like, "This this isn't the crusher we know. Like this is this is uh, uh, pretty volatile and stuff." And then, but now like she's she was the one who was figuring out those contractions. She was the one that was figuring out like there's a whole countdown to this. And obviously as a team, because Jack Crusher comes with up with the idea of harnessing energy because he, he recognizes about the lights and it's, it's basically everybody coming together to come up to that solution. But I'm just so glad that Crusher is kind of at the forefront of that. And I'm, I'm it's just nice that she's just not this background you're being relegated to the background like she was in the films. Oh gosh. She gets to be everything. She gets to be yeah. science officer, medical officer, uh, medical officer with more experience than you and your doodads move out of the way. Let me save the captain's life. Uh, <laughs> she, you know, she gets yes, to be, yes. she gets to be a mother. She gets to be which she yeah. has done before, but she gets to be an ex lover, uh, mm-hmm. in a very complicated relationship. And let me tell yep. you, uh, the, exchanges between Riker and Picard are awesome. The exchanges between Picard and Beverly Crusher are breathtaking. I mean, these two actors are just destroying it. It's so phenomenal. There's a moment where we're all trying to figure out if it really is Picard's son in either the first or second episode. I can't remember which. And... Mm. Riker goes down and wakes Crusher out of a coma and she lets Picard (laughs) know on the bridge that Jack Crusher is his son without saying a word. Yeah. And it was a phenomenal scene from both of them, um, from Stuart Mm. and McFadden. Like it was, it was amazing. And then even more so you finally get the confrontation between Picard and and Beverly Crusher in the sick bay. I don't know where everybody else went. <laughs> it went from a room full of really hurt people to just them. But but it it was that exchange where he has to ask her, "Why the hell didn't you tell me that I have a twenty four year old son? How come I haven't heard from you in twenty years?" Like there was a lot to unpack. Yeah, and they did it just impeccably, both in the writing. And in the acting. I, I love that scene. Yes, absolutely. I, I also love the the build up to that with Riker just going like, doesn't he remind you of somebody like, <laughs> you, you, you know this is yours, right? Like he's he's blatantly yours. He has a British accent. And I even love that this is kind of like, how does he get the accent? Because yeah. there's the question about how Picard has a British accent as a Frenchman, yes. which they, they, they address in the show in the previous season. And then this time, it's just kind of like, well, he went to school in London. It's like, okay, <laughs> there we go. But yeah, I just love that whole kind of like, look, he, he's yours, John Luke. Like, it's it's obvious. Oh my God, and yeah. They, yeah. They, the, the, then, the hints that Riker is giving is just like, just these dry <laughs> moments of, 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 you know, Riker looking down at Picard like, you really don't see it, huh? And, and Picard's like, yeah. see what? And Riker just kind of <laughs> sighs and looks off in the distance as the turbo lift is going to go in wherever it's supposed to go. It's just like, oh my God. And, th- and then you have really touching moments, like when he's trying to explain the importance of the relationship with his son. And he talks mm. about how he took a turbo lift ride, which took 17 seconds. And it was in that 17 seconds when he thought that he could lose his child, that he became a father. And then when we find out that Jack Crusher has been injured... Picard is in a turbo lift 
which is taking about 17 seconds. It is that time. And you can it was just 17 see, seconds. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, and even the title of the episode is 17 seconds, yep. you know, so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, so that's what it is. And you can just see from the look on his face, a little bit like Crusher not having to uh, to say anything to reveal that Jack was, uh, was Picard's son. In the same way, like, he didn't have to say anything for you to realize that he was having that realization that he is a father. Yep. In the exact 100%. same way. Yeah. And I, I love that Picard is now relating to Riker and Riker's experience as a father. He's kind of getting a crash course in, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's had a lot thrown at him in a very short oh amount of time gosh, in a very high has. stress situation. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, and again, like to, to tip the hat to Stuart, the acting in that turbo lift, it, like it's one shot on his face close up yeah and he goes through about four different stages and you and it, it is <laughs> subtle like really really subtle uh but yeah. so so well done and like 17 seconds that's how long the shot is that's how long he has to do the work right to get mm. that across to the audience like it's i mean you have the the conversation that Riker and, and picard have in that little flashback that five years earlier situation um and and that i you know i think helps you get to where you need to be while Picard is mm. on his 17 second turbo lift ride. Um, but yeah, I, I think they did a very, very good job with that. And there's a lot of other really, you know, more fun exchanges as well too. Like there's a part mm. in season one before the whole thing even gets going, he's talking about like this mysterious, you know, thing he had, the a communication he has and that he has to go out in space and like, it could be dangerous and I wouldn't want to put you in danger. And Riker's like, since when? <laughs> like, just little <laughs> things like that are just like really yeah. great, you know, conversations like being able to have you know um seven take them out of space dock and she says engage and the smirk on picard's face is just like yeah i like the way that she does things (laughs) (laughs) little moments like that are are just really really good and every time that you know i not this season but because it's only happened once but in the series whenever you get to hear picard say engage that's just you know people that are Star Trek fans just kind of like the tingles that goes up your spine is like, yes, he said the thing. It's like, hello there from Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Like it's just people are just waiting for it. Yeah. Like it was so fun seeing Riker as the captain and, and Picard saying, you might as well call me number one. You know? Yes. Yeah. That was another one that I wrote down. It was was fun seeing that dynamic. And then he put, he, he says to Picard, you know, you have the con and basically he has him be the cat and they go back to their old dynamic and that was somehow more exciting mm-hmm. it was interesting before but it was it was so cool to kind of see that moment and then for him to to give the engage command it's just like th- it just brings back so much even oh. though i watch next generation all the time I mean, yes. it's not like i yeah, haven't yeah. seen this in 20 years well and stuff it's but... been that it's been quite a while for me I've, i'm sure i've probably mm. rewatched. i certainly haven't rewatched them in order I have right, certainly yeah. seen them in syndication, but it's been 20 years because I think the last time I was watching Star Trek on TV was probably university. So it's been like mm. I graduated in 21. So like it's it's been or in 01. So 21 would have been 20 years. So yeah, it's been about that. Um, yeah. I, I've seen other Star Trek shows since then. And of course the movies I think came out later. I can't remember. When was the last film for Next Generation out? Oh, that would have been... Early 2000s? It was about 2001. Yeah. So I was just finishing up. Star Trek Nemesis. I'm pretty sure... Uh, I'd have to look this up, uh, but I'm pretty sure Nemesis was... No, 2002. It was I was 2000. off okay. by a year. Well, that's close. 
So the other thing that I think is really interesting is the freedom that they get in the show to have, I guess, more real conversations from different characters. Uh, I am on the fence about Captain Liam Shaw. I, I like him and I don't like him at the same time. It's an excellent performance. Um, yes. By, by Todd Stashwick. But, um, he, like, he comes across as like, he's, he's a little bit, I don't want to say bigot isn't the right word, but like, he's, a, he doesn't like the Borg. Uh, we find out later why, um, mm. but he's got a thing against seven. I'm not sure why she's his first well, she officer. She was a Borg drone as well. <laughs> yeah. So. Like it's, it's, it's very strange. So he's got these weird prejudices and, and he's, he's very, well, well, he's a dick. Like he's a dick. You don't like him. You're not supposed yeah. to like him. And so that's why I think he's such a good performance. Cause like there's, you definitely don't like him. Um, yeah. And there's, there's also been a lot of things where we see a lot of other captains within Star Trek and none of them have the, the grace or uh, grandeur that someone like Picard has. No. And no. we often see some of them being dicks <laughs> and things. And this is somebody who goes completely by the book for a lot of stuff. And I think that one of the things that they're trying to do is one, give us a captain on screen that's very different to anything that we've seen before, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is, is good. But at the same time, also somebody who is more by the book to kind of highlight how different a captain like Picard really was, you know, and why Picard was the <laughs> the captain of the, the Federation flagship. So it kind of makes sense in that regard that you're not going to have every captain being like Picard or Riker or Janeway that the, you know, all you know, a lot of the others could very well be <laughs> like this guy. And although I don't, don't work in the military, I'm sure that there's probably people in the military who've had commanding officers that have a similar kind of mentality and, you know, and, and how they follow orders and command style and things. He's also unstable. So, and they, they hint to Oh, it. he is. Um, Vedic says something about his personal profile at Starfleet headquarters or something like that. But he suffers from PTSD. I mean, he gets into it in, mm. in the 10 forward... Um, scene which i found i found the hologram thing a little bit the holodeck thing a little bit forced the fact that it was on a separate power cell conveniently (laughs) has a a different backup battery yeah that that was i'm sure it's true and they made a good you know reason for it but it very much felt like a we need somewhere for these people to sit down and chat and have a father-son moment and so we're gonna write we're gonna write in this extra power cell into the script because it it will help us out (laughs) so let let me let me provide a bit of headcanon for this so, yes, they have that explanation. I think it also makes a lot of sense in that there have been so many times when the holodeck, both on the Galaxy Class Enterprise and on the uh, on the USS Voyager, that the ship comes under attack, somebody is just enjoying a nice leisurely break on the holodeck, and because of the way it's tied into the main power systems, that uh, holodeck ends up with safeties going offline, the people are trapped in there, and it becomes this whole thing. Right. And so separating it from the ship probably means that they're not going to have to deal with that all the time. <laughs> right. Because yeah. that, it, it also most became a trope that just started to get done to death, like, oh, here's another episode of somebody being trapped on a holodeck. And so it kind of makes sense. Like, if we keep getting people trapped on a holodeck to a point where it's really a big problem that affects the entire ship, let's just cut it off and have it separate. And that, to me, would make sense, that that's how the design would go. And it would also serve as, you know, you know in the way that they said that it's basically like a final place to go 
uh, as the ship goes down. Oh yeah, it's a mental lifeboat. Like you can yeah. make it look like home and because if you know you're all going to eventually suffocate and there's no hope, then like at least go be comfortable mentally and yeah. be with your friends. Um, which was the point of that scene. Like I, I get that, but, oh, but yeah. yeah, I mean yeah. like um, Liam Shaw has got PTSD. Like he is oh, yeah. messed yeah. up. And and I don't think we've seen the end of him. Like I think there's going to be more happening with him in mm. this series because I think they're there's just they've put a little I bit too so. much into the backstory. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I don't want him as a captain because I feel like there's mm. just too much tension there, and he's already been proven wrong on a number of occasions. He's like, all right, fine, this is the mess you got ourselves into, you you know, cowboy slinging sons of bitches. <laughs> now you can get us out of it. And that's exactly what they did yeah. <laughs> by being both Starfleet officers and scientists and yeah. cowboys, you know? <laughs> and, that, and I think that, that that says a lot about, you know, the next generation crew and the, the kind of the fly by the seat of your pants, if you'll pardon the, the pun. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, like, I, th I think they, they nailed that. What I really like Shaw as is a surly grease monkey, right? Like I could see yeah. Shaw being that grumpy uh engineer that is like always feels underappreciated despite the fact that they really are appreciated like I, I feel like that would be a good role because he'd still be likable because he would be doing good things and i just i don't like him in command i think that's the problem i have is that he doesn't listen yeah. he's not a character that listens and and i feel like um his strength currently in the last episode that I saw is, is that he does things very well. And I will say the conversation that, that Seven and him have where she's like, I don't like you. I don't want to talk to you about this, but you know the crew the best and you are probably the best person for me to talk to to solve this problem about the changeling on board, which I thought was a cool twist too. And yes, he gets that. And he understands like in that one exchange, he gets that. She doesn't want to be talking to him. She could have tried to do this on her own, but she's swallowing her pride because she wants to get the job done and she's talking to him. So then he breaks and says, okay, fine, I'll help you. You're right. You know, like, and I, I, I do like that about Star Trek in general is that people can smash heads and still come to, I don't want to say, an, they don't necessarily even agree. They just find a middle ground where they can say like, look, I still... I don't like you. I want to throw you out an airlock, but I still need to save the lives of everybody on board, you know? And so if you're my best chance, well, then I'm going to have to stomach the next 15 minutes. Um, something that I'm noticing yeah. about this season more so than the other seasons, and you might be able to correct me. I am noticing where they would put commercial breaks. Are you seeing that yes. too? Yeah. There's like a little bit of a fade in the yeah. audio mm -hmm. and then it just kind of cuts. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if in the US where it's been aired on Paramount, if that's what they're doing, that would probably be my guess. But obviously we're in Canada, so I can't really verify that. But yeah, there's definitely a commercial break cut in there. I wonder if Paramount has like a free version with commercials and then a paid version without. Some streaming services are doing that. If you're in the US and you subscribe to Paramount, folks, let us know. Uh, Thecitalcafe at gmail.com. Well, well, here's a thought as well, because... We're watching on Crave, which is the digital streaming mm -hmm. service from Bell, but they also have the sci-fi channel. And oh. is that supported? Because maybe they've just managed to get, they're just putting out the same one that they're broadcasting on TV. That could so be I wonder it. if that's it. Yeah, that could be it. That would make sense that yeah. they've got an edited version for commercials, whereas we might, if you were watching it on Paramount, I wonder if there are no obvious commercial spots. 
right? Yeah, they, and, they did this with Doctor Who as well. Oh, that in the, that's a good call. Uh, in the UK, there's none of this happening. And then in um, when it was released via BBC America to the US and Canada, they had these really weird bits where the audio, like music will go from one scene to another, but they have it dip down and then come back up. And it's really jarring when it happens because mm. you know that's where the commercial is that they're inserting despite not having it because it's being streamed and stuff. Um, you, you were also kind of alluding earlier to there were some things that you were seeing in the show that you just weren't sure of because you haven't had as much exposure or certainly haven't seen some of Star Trek for such a long time. Was, it, was there anything else that was kind of standing out to you for that? There's the Secret Service stuff with... Oh, what's the name of the Star Trek Secret Service that's by... Section 31. Section 31. So yeah. we find out that Rafi from the first two seasons of Picard is off doing her own thing back with Starfleet now, but she's like doing undercover stuff. And I don't yeah. remember what she says she's part of because it's a different organization. I didn't recognize the name of it. And she's got a digital handler who I figured out who it was just by the way that they were talking. <laughs> and the fact that I knew that Worf was in the show. Um, yeah. But then... She ends up going undercover. Her cover gets blown because she doesn't obey orders. Surprise. And Worf ends up saving her. So then in episodes three and four, I think there actually is like an exchange between Worf and, and Rafi on several occasions. And that mm -hmm. is the only part of the show that, well, one, we haven't had enough time for it to develop into something to enjoy. Um, but I found that there was such a good tension and interest happening on the Titan A storyline, bopping back to Raffi and Worf really felt like going, like really jarred the pacing for me. And I was just, I would have preferred mm. like episode one puts everybody in space, episode two, all the Worf and Raffi stuff. And then three and four could have just stayed on the Titan for me. I would have been fine. I, I do like that we've kind of been told from the trailer that the, there's, a, there's a scene that's in the, the series trailer where he talks about how he's a pacifist now. Yes. And um, and it's kind of like there was a lot of sort of commotion. Some people going like, oh, you shouldn't be a pacifist because it's Worf and things like that. And uh, Terry, who is the, you know, Terry Metalis, who wrote the, the show, he was kind of like, did nobody catch the fact that he has a giant sword? And in this episode where he appears, his first thing that he does is he massacres an entire room full of people and decapitates a Ferengi. Which I'm okay with, because I don't like Ferengis anyway. <laughs> I know, but like he is not a pacifist. Not a he pacifist. is still very much um, the kind of warrior that, that we've that we've known and stuff. So I'm really interested to see how he's going. I know that they've they've written it that he's changed. Um, there was a really good interview with Michael Dawn where he was talking about how there was stuff that he came in saying, "This is what I." feel Worf would have done this is what I want to have happen they've kind of said well this is what we're thinking and again they kind of reached a middle ground uh and with something that as a whole he's even more happier with uh which is good and like I like the presence that he has as Worf I feel like some of the yes. lines he gets are a little campy like they're they force a lot of jokes with Worf whereas <laughs> they, they kind of yeah yeah the funny moments with Riker and Picard are character driven the funny moments with Worf seem to be situation slash dialogue driven that's more of a deep space nine thing oh, okay kind so of and i have not seen nearly as much deep space nine yeah uh, like i know i haven't finished the series i watched a lot of it but uh, that was even longer yeah. ago that was like high school 
<laughs> yeah, because with Worf, he was really a background character. It was almost kind of like, look, we've got a Klingon on the ship, and that's it. Uh, when Tasha Yar left, yes. then he got more of a prominent role. And even so, he didn't get much character growth and depth because he was still one of the secondary ones on the on the bridge whereas he had a lot more character depth partly because they had a lot more time and they introduced more klingon so you got to see more of a richer klingon culture and history uh being presented in deep space nine so that's where the bulk of his character has developed and it's really cool just seeing how much he grows within deep space nine right so if you like him in next gen he's great in that show and so again it's exciting to see that now and that would be a gap that I probably have missing, right? Is that it feels yeah. jarring this this version of Worf compared to what I'm used to, which is is TNG, right? Right. So, so yeah. I, I that, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. it would make sense. But but yeah, I get some of it is just a little bit a little bit forced in terms of the the lines, and it's less about that because <laughs> those are minor minor things. It's more about the yeah. the fact that a lot of what they're saying is repeating the same information back to one another and to you. Each time we go back, we have to we learn that. Like there was a terrorist attack. They're trying to figure out who done it. This person that they're questioning is probably going to tell them. And now we have to go figure out what the bigger thing is. That happens like three times. And I'm just like, okay, Arrowverse. Like I have been here before and I expect (laughs) more from you, Picard season three. So that I found was a little bit tedious. But the thing that I'm waiting for, which I'm not getting with the Worf stuff is Worf with the other TNG crew, right? I'm assuming that's coming. At some point, we're going to see them in the same room. And yes, that is yeah. when I think I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, there's Worf. Like, it's going to be the looks between, you know, uh, Michael Dorn and and Patrick Stewart or Jonathan Frakes mm-hmm. or like whoever it is. Like, those are the moments that I think I'm going to, I'm going to be really on board for. Um, the other thing that I think is really cool about the fact that this is a streaming show is that there's a lot more natural language, which I find really fun. Um, and yeah. there... Lots of big laughs in the films for TNG. Usually it was data swearing would be like the big or data would yeah. say something really kind of off color or embarrassing or emotional. And that would make people laugh in the theater. Yeah. The, the ship's about to crash land. So he says, oh shit. Yeah. With so, his newly activated emotion chip. But I got to tell you, I got to, I got to chuckle out of watching Jean-Luc Picard drop an F-bomb talking to his <laughs> yes. son about, you know, him and his, and his, uh, uh, uh namesake, uh, Beverly Crusher's first husband, Jack, uh, his uh, Picard's mm. best friend in the academy, and they're flying a shuttle blind. You know everything has been shut off. They were in. They were doing some real bro stuff that they shouldn't have been doing, right? Which is again not yeah. something you imagine Picard saying. So like, here's Picard talking about like stealing a car to go get laid. <laughs> you know, the car <laughs> breaks down, and we have to get back hey. home without getting caught. Uh, flying hey, hey, blind. Hey, hey, he had you know? a- he had an invitation. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it, it was very funny. Uh, and Jack um, Crusher is, is calling him out on it the whole time. But then he, and just when you don't expect him to do it, he says like, it t- took 10 fucking hours to get back to the to home. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. And it's the kind of thing where like, there's a bucket list, I'm sure, behind the scenes where like these actors are looking at the script going like, this is the last time I'm going to be playing Jean-Luc Picard on paper. I want to swear. <laughs> like, give me a moment. What is the best opportunity? Yeah, they did allow him to swear in Next Generation, but he swore in French. Right. There was one point where he's on the bridge and he goes, mad. Yeah. So, like, they, they kind of 
alluded to the fact that like people still swear. Yeah. Uh, and I think also it's a really good way of humanizing him with his son. And it's kind of like making him more relatable and more open by, you know, just kind of like, I'm not the Starfleet captain right now. I'm your father. Right. And, you know, it feels like that, which I I think works brilliantly. And it's even as like, as someone, you know, that has parents in their seventies, like it's, it's been so long that you forget that like your dad was a 20 year old at some point. You know, and and <laughs> yeah. you can see Jack Crusher realizing that, right, this decorated admiral, this superstar who happens to be my biological father, who I know next to nothing about that isn't written down in books or things that my mother has told me, was also a hotshot cadet at some point. Like he was also me right now, you know, swashbuckling mm. around the galaxy doing doing things, you know, because I mean, Jack Crush is in a lot of trouble, but it seems like he's in a lot of trouble because he was out doing good. Like he was out helping medical supplies yeah. get where they're going. And he might've had to bribe a couple people along the way, but he was still getting it done. Um, so all that kind of stuff is, yeah. is really and, cool. And we've even seen that hot shot side of Picard. Oh yeah. It, when we get that flashback where he's stabbed by a Norsican in the heart and which is why he ended up with an artificial heart. It's uh, so a- again, everything feels like there's so much attention to detail for the history oh, for of sure. the show yeah and i love all the little here's all the things that have kind of happened in the meantime that we've missed it's not like all the big adventures stopped we find out that there's a herogen which is one of the aliens from the delta quadrant from starship voyager somehow made it to the alpha quadrant and picard had to face off against one of the herogen and it's just one of these little subtle uh references but it's like yeah, there's been some big adventures that happened. And then also there's the whole thing with him and Beverly. Like, I, I just like that these little tidbits of, there's still a lot that's that's gone on. I like it. I know we've got to wrap things up here, but one thing I will leave yeah. with is that I am hoping for, and you might be able to answer this question, if there mm-hmm. is a spinoff with Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine with her own command, I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> yes like i mean i yeah. i really like the character and i like what she has done with the character in picard specifically i i wasn't a big mm. fan on voyager the character was what it was uh it was written at a time that it was written in but i i really like what they've done with seven in picard Re- and it really yeah. feels like jerry ryan has just grabbed it by the horns and been just like i'm gonna make this fantastic and i i really enjoy her screen presence i like that she's got that I don't know. She really does that balance between the super strict rule follower and the, I know everything. Cause I have like, I know all these rules and starfeet regulations backwards and forwards, but I also know when to break them. And I, mm. and I like that. And I think those are qualities in a, in a Starfleet captain that make for a very interesting show. Yes. Yeah. I would love to see that. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. It'll certainly be interesting if they do, bring back the crew because there's there's been hints and uh and more kind of i think sir patrick stewart trying to put paramount in an awkward position of we want to be doing more things like another show together as the next gen crew or another movie like make it happen (laughs) and he's doing this in front of an entire room of people at comic-con right so you know, he's trying to get the fans involved as well. So I don't think it's as much of Paramount going like, yeah, we're thinking about it. I think it's more kind of like, look, I'm making this very public. We should do this. 
and so whether we get another movie this yeah this may not be the last time that we see this crew together Mm. that i'm happy about but as you said there is that sort of trepidation of we may not have much longer with this crew as well as you know the more that time that goes on yeah so the sooner the better and there's something about i mean this is not really how it would go but there's something very funny to me about like the tng crew cruising around in space in their retirement golf carts getting into all kinds <laughs> of trouble like they're 20 year olds and then the responsible yeah. seven of nine captain having to come in and save everybody's butt and <laughs> basically scold them for like could you just not maybe do <laughs> do this on the edge of the romulan space or like wherever you're doing it this is really not the time or place to be doing this it's like bah! space is meant to be explored he's like Riker go to your room (laughs) like I just I can I can see I can see that happening quite a bit and I I there was even a moment at the beginning of this of this series or season rather where I think seven of nine was speaking with Picard and Riker just like puffs up and slams her down like who do you think you're talking to and Picard has to like what no he's she's a friend well she's allowed to talk to me like that <laughs> like we've been through more than you realize there was time travel there's a whole thing <laughs> like just I don't have yeah. time to explain it right now but like we're good and I I like that rapport that yeah. they've they've managed to cross over you know those characters in a way that they have a really really nice rapport yeah what one final thing that I will say and, and end on is that it's interesting that we've ended up with Vadik as this kind of, you know, this bounty hunter that's, that's after Jack Crusher for whatever reason, we don't know. And then we find out that she's kind of like Vader in that there is an, a Palpatine oh, yes. mm. that's in charge. So there's somebody bigger and things. And I'm still racking my head as to who it could be, as to why they're going, you know, is this a character that we've had before in the franchise? Is this somebody completely different? Because Vadik is, is new, but the person who's in charge, are they familiar to us? I have no idea. And that is a real interesting twist that we ended up with this latest episode. Yeah, there's a lot more going on, I think, between Vadik and Jack Crusher. That like that's the oh, yeah. that's where things seem to be headed, and now that we've established the bond, you know, between Jack Crusher and and Picard, I feel like there's going to be either Crusher's going to be kidnapped or he's going to like leave to make sure that he doesn't put his mother in danger or something, and then everybody's mm-hmm. going to have to go go get him. Like that's kind of yeah. I think where where things are going to have to go. Well, that brings us into the Internet Minute, which is brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member-only Discord server, as well as access to Barista Cut bonus audio sessions when we have a chance to record them. Special thanks to our Bean Counter patrons, Cosmic and Smurf588. Thank you for your support of this episode. Patron count is at 27. That's down one from the last time we recorded. Our goal each time we record is to have at least one more patron than the previous episode. If you would like to be patron number 28, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. My pick this week is short and sweet. Blind Wave is a channel on YouTube. It's a group of friends that run a reaction channel, which sounds terribly contrived, but these guys are genuine in all the things that they do. I've watched a large amount of their videos and not only are they just really nerdy, really invested in the things that they're watching, 
but it's good editing. It's, it's timely and, and current shows as well as older shows that they haven't seen, which is cool. Uh, and they usually have positive things to say. So even when like they watch justice league and they're like, that's not the best movie. I'm really glad that, you know, Jack, you know, Zack Snyder got a chance to put his vision on film though. Like I can see the through point here. Like I can understand what Snyder was trying to do, even though I didn't like all of it. And so I feel like <laughs> what I like about that is that they, if it's something nerdy that they don't like, they don't label it shit, right? They don't rant about it and go on forever and dismiss the entire thing. They really can see the value in it because there's four of them. And ultimately someone dislikes it more than the others, but then someone can also make a good point and you can see somebody else nod in the background. And it's like, yeah, okay, I kind of get it. And it's worth watching on video because of the visual reactions. Like these, these guys are invested. Like watching their reactions to season two finale of Mandalorian when, spoilers, mm. when Luke Skywalker shows up. Like they were, a couple of guys were so excited they couldn't stay seated. They had to stand up. <laughs> They were watching, they were so into what was going on. So uh, I highly recommend it, uh, Blind Wave. If you really want a good window into like just how genuine and fun these guys are, check out their mailbag episodes. Uh, their fans and community will send in fan mail, gifts, nerdy Funko Pops and action figures and board games and D&D &D figures and stuff like that. And every two weeks they do an episode, which is between half an hour and an hour long of them unboxing each thing and... They just, they unbox it. They thank the person that sent it. They go, you know, they go on a little bit of a conversation about how cool it is often into some rabbit hole about something. And you just, you get to see a window into these four friends that have been friends for a very long time. And it's very, very fun. They're a good, a good fun time. Uh, adult language, uh, a little loud sometimes. So like maybe not safe for work. They're not vulgar, but like they curse. They're adults. They use adult language. Uh, and definitely not something I would have with young kids, teenagers, maybe I'd say PG 13 would be, would be stuff. If any dirty jokes are more like innuendos and little nods at the camera, they don't really get gross about anything, but you know, they, they drop some swears and, and stuff from, from time to time, but very, very good channel and lots of content, something for everyone at blind wave on YouTube. Alistair, what's your pick this week? Mine is from inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum, where he in, interviews his fellow friends in the tv and film industry and recently he had one with the amazing jonathan frakes and it is just fascinating hearing him not just talking about his work on picard but also just reminiscing about his time on the set of next generation there's even things like him talking about um his him and the rest of the cast their relationship uh with will wheaton uh, playing Wesley Crusher and how they didn't even know about all the stuff that was going on in his private life with his parents and things and uh, but just the kind of family dynamic that they had themselves and just it, it's just wonderful hearing a lot of these kind of stories coming from the man himself especially as he's so well spoken uh, as well and it's one of those things that I, I, I kind of wished it just went on even longer than it did uh, but that is fantastic. So again, that's on YouTube um, and it's there as a podcast, but it, it's so fun just watching the video and just seeing his eyes light up when he's talking about things. Um, so yeah, so Jonathan Frakes on Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. 
That wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that we talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, as well as YouTube. And don't forget to leave us a rating or a review on your favorite platform. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online at joelduggan.com. That includes links to things like my other podcast, all about Minecraft, the Spawn Chunks at thespawnchunks.com, as well as Twitch, where I do streams almost every day, Minecraft most of the week, and Lego on Fridays. And that's been a lot of fun. Alistair, where can people find you online? You can find everything I'm up to at alistairmcfly.com. And that also includes a link to my newest blog at medium.com slash at Alistair McFly. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. Mm-hmm.